0: Katie Keller with clearancejobs.com. Today I was joined by Dr. Jason Edwards, who is the principal for information security strategy at USAA. He is also the adjunct professor of cyber and IT at Hallmark University and is a former US Army officer with multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Really, I just wanted to go over your background. I've been following you, I have been reading some of your posts, and I thought that you know, being in information security, especially with everything going on with COVID right now, it might be an interesting chat for our followers at ClearanceJobs.com.
1: Yeah, and let me apologize right off for you following so.
0: Oh no! Why?
1: I'm just teasing. No, I'm just teasing. I try to mix it up with humor and uh, and good information there. So I just meant that as a joke. Apologies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. com is a career marketplace for folks within the defense industry. Um, so that's both cleared candidates. It's required that candidates have an active clearance on our site, and then defense recruiters. And so a part of our site is our uh, news and editorial sort of publication. And we share a lot about cybersecurity, IT security, a lot about development. And then of course, Whatever agency news comes out surrounding those types of issues and what those implications look like to national security. My first question for you is, personally, how are you handling COVID nineteen and teleworking and sort of everything surrounding the pandemic?
1: Well, I mean, we're doing good so far, right? I mean, I don't think this is something we'd want to do for years on end, especially you know with the, with the girls, right? They're they're young enough now. We're going to school as a social event for them, right? Not a Not a pain as it will probably become later on, right, when I get back into high school, but they also can't go out and see their friends. They can't go out, you know, and and do some of the stuff. One of our daughters is a gymnast, right? So I have a little eight-year-old flipping through the hallways right now, you know, (laughs) trying to keep up. For me and the wife, though, it's—it I think it's just the fact that it becomes really Groundhog Day. You know real quick right I remember in Iraq we used to call Iraq and Afghanistan Groundhog Day because every day was almost exactly the same right so and when you work from home I think you get into that quite a bit unless you have some kind of varied in your routine right so one of the suggestions that was made you know, through work and I'll tell you USA is a fantastic employer employer they've been doing a really good job of trying to keep us healthy and one other suggestion was end every meeting 10 minutes early So, a 30 minute meeting if it's a, an hour-long meeting five and ten minutes each that way you have to you know you have time to get up and go out and stretch in between these meetings because what we're missing right now is a lot of that face-to-face interaction that you'd normally get between teams and a, and a company. So every meeting has to be a phone call or every discussion has to be a text or an email. And, and so it keeps you stuck, locked at your computer, you know, even more than normal. And working in IT and cyber can, you know, there's a, there's a risk of being sedentary quite often, right? But I, I think with this one right here and everybody adjusting so quickly, that is a threat. So you got to You got to build into your schedule you got to put yourself out of office at lunch you know you got to spend that five to ten minutes every 30 minutes to an hour you know just getting up and walking in the other room coming up for air
0: absolutely Uh, i know that i've been experiencing that you know i worked from home prior to the pandemic but i was able to have a little bit of variety especially in just changing locations you know going to the coffee shop or going to Panera bread and you know taking some time away from the home to work on a different task. Um, so yeah, the variety you are stuck to your screen and you are stuck to your home and that can become a little monotonous. I know that you've shared news on social about how COVID-19 is a time for infiltrators or scammers to really exploit folks even more than usual. And the FBI and the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency just made a statement on the cyber threat actors trying to gain information on vaccines um, from research facilities. And, you know, all that comes along with doing R&D and medical research research. So with all of this happening, while people are still trying to gather their bearings from a company operational level, how would you say COVID-19 has transformed your information security policies or strategy at USAA?
1: Well, speaking in general, right, not in specific, I would say sure. that there's a couple of considerations, right, when we talk about what happened with COVID-19 versus I would say a normal course of telework, where there's a certain percentage of companies that have telework you know, remote positions and they support that in that way, right? I think what happened with COVID-19 was a ramp up. Everybody talks about flattening the curve. Well, there was no flattening the curve when it comes to IT and cybersecurity, right? Because Mm -hmm. that curve just shot straight up like a rocket because people had the choice of risk their health or come to work. And that's not really a, especially when it comes to risking the health of your family, that's not really a call that anyone even thinks about making. You just make the call. So what we had a hard time doing, of course, was ramping up like every other company out there. And, And And with a financial institution, kind of like with the, you know, other heavily regulated industries like the government, you have to do it securely. You know, you don't have an option of just taking a risk and saying, let's just see how it goes, right, with people's personal information, especially with USA, which is a very strong company when it comes to cybersecurity we had to go through and, and look at many, many different solutions, the same with other companies at the same time. We had to make sure that those solutions were, were sound, and we had to make sure that we were doing and conducting our risk assessment process like we normally do. A lot of companies, for example, if you don't have experience in cybersecurity risk assessment, you know, you just go out there and you jump onto the first platform, whether it be Zoom or something like that, and you don't really have that opportunity to go in there and take a look at what those issues may be in the future. And, and the good thing about us working in a financial institution, similar to the government, right, is that you have many, many regulations and rules in place already that you can help follow to do that. It was just a matter, I think, of ramping them up. For example, Zoom is a great example of, of what happened during this pandemic, right? So Zoom is a fantastic platform, right? Very, very you know, great utility out of that platform, but they had never really had a lot of corporate customers really rely on them or actually go in and do those risk assessments. And once those risk assessments started coming out at and much to the credit to Zoom's leadership, right, they came right back and fixed these things and made sure that their platform was secure. And we saw that across the industry, right? It was a lot of partnership with both companies and industry. And it also goes to show the depravity of people who want to take advantage of people during times like this, especially when you see the news about hospitals being attacked or medical facilities being attacked or something like that. It just it makes you realize that we're not really just fighting some unnamed enemy out there. It's really a depraved enemy.
0: No, well said. So is USAA pretty much operating remotely across the board at this point?
1: Like every other company, absolutely. Sure. I think there's always going to be people who have to go in and keep the lights on any kind of company. But I would say USA has been a large proponent over the past couple of years that I've worked there. And again, I, I can't speak on behalf of USA just you know, as an employee. Sure. Um, but we've had quite a bit, a, a large percentage of the company has been telework because they realize that a lot of people want to choose that. Also... I think in the future, what you're going to see, right, and people haven't, you know, if they haven't seen it already, is that people don't want to move their families. I mean, think about being in the military for all those years. And every time you went to a new job, you know, you're packing up everything. The kids are leaving friends. You know, you're leaving friends. You know, you're selling houses. You're going through all this just to go take another job. I think in the future, especially in the fields of IT and cybersecurity, there's really not a need to do that. Uh, And I think the great thing, you know, and again, I don't want to say the great thing. I think I think you have to look at every challenge as an opportunity, right? So in this case, the challenge of COVID-19 was an opportunity that telework became front and center. And it showed the fact that maybe people don't have to uproot their families to go take a new job, that there are other ways to work. And a lot of people who thought that this wasn't going to be possible or or disliked telework, right, I'd say probably in older leadership paradigms are learning now that this is possible that this is doable and that people will be productive and and i'm just absolutely lucky to work for a company work for leadership that had already realized that years ago
0: like you said you know i think different companies organizations government agencies they're all realizing that we can operate just as effectively and successfully as we did prior to the pandemic with everyone working from home. And it's sort of going to change the culture of, I think, how anybody works in any industry, which is great. I, I love working from home. Uh, some don't feel as productive. They like to go into an office. But again, I think it's going to change the culture of how any sort of industry works.
1: Well, I think also, you know, even in situations where people don't agree, I like the human interaction of meeting people. I think that's one of the things that was driven Drilled in me after so many years in the military, right, is that, you know, personal interaction is kind of the best interaction, right? Humans take visual clues from with each with each other, right? And, and and you've seen that over time with email, right? Where you send an email and someone just takes it the complete wrong way that you did not intend it to, and that's kind of the risk that we're seeing now. People have to learn those new techniques to you know on how to communicate, and I think that's true. I think even with the fact that I do like to go in the office, I like the opportunity that they're going to give us to where we can work from home some days. Uh, you're no longer taking you know time off just because you know your wife can't take the kids to school in the morning one day or or because, you know, your partner can't do something, right? You can actually be there at home more often now. And again, I think USA has been a great employer with that. I think other people seeing the advantages of that will decrease absenteeism, especially in industries where you can do this, right? And obviously not all industries can do this. And for those that don't, I think also look at larger cities with traffic. There's just many, many advantages to pushing more and more people into telework. It's just better for the environment. It's better for the work product and it's better for people.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So what recommendations recommendations would you give to teams when it comes to telework, making sure that users are being compliant when it comes to information security and educating employees on key risk issues like fraud prevention or telework in general, what recommendations would you make to managers of those teams? You
1: know, it's communication is the key, right? I, I think one thing too, people get stuck in a foxhole of trying to email each other. And, you know, and if you get seven emails into a conversation, I think you've already way past the point of where you should have picked up the phone and made a call, right? I think people need to understand how to transition from one remote communications medium to another, right? How to move from a couple emails to just, hey, you know what, let's get together real quick on a call or I'm texting you, you're texting me, this isn't working, let's call, right? I think there's, there's strategies that can be built into that and those strategies need to be put out through training. Some people will take naturally to this, right? Some people won't, but training is key. Uh, Another issue, too, is that, you know, and again, you know, working for a great company, getting that information out there about work from home for people who haven't been working from home, right? Having a a good uh, cybersecurity training program in your company, uh, using industry resources to do it. Phishing, of course, is always going to be scams or always going to be a threat, whether you work from home or not. And so you have to take that seriously. and You have to ensure that your training program covers everybody and that you're not just Like, you know, in some companies I've seen where you just pass around the PowerPoint. Hey, did everybody read the year's training? Yeah, we all saw the PowerPoint. You know, that's, I think we can all agree that in the future, that's not an acceptable form of training anymore. You have to have some kind of test or some kind of proof to do it, right? There's companies out there who do training phishing exercises with your company. They'll send phishing accounts and stuff where you can do it yourself through automated tools. I would absolutely recommend other companies invest in that as well.
0: Yeah, actually, here at clearance jobs. Just with me working remotely, prior to the pandemic, our cybersecurity training was very hands-on, very in-depth. We did go through those training exercises. Even current employees, they'll send out those phishing exercises. It's a constant reminder because it is easy to go through a training, okay, yes, I I understand these Guidelines that I'm supposed to follow, but you know, people get in the weeds, and it might not be at the forefront of their mind. And it's a good reminder that today it really should be. Cybersecurity is of the utmost importance.
1: And even the best cybersecurity experts are fooled by phishing sometimes, sure. right? We all have to understand that are you know, that this training makes you better, right? And, and again, going back to most of the audience, you know, that was in the military, nobody started off doing great on the PT test. You know, we all worked hard to get to a point where we were, you know, where we were passing, and if not, you know, even perfecting it, right? But nobody starts off, you know, at a run, right? That's why we have that crawl, walk, run kind of mentality when it comes to training. And it's the same thing with people who are in cybersecurity or or our partners out in the business, right? There's people who are working very hard in accounts payable, for example. They're not thinking about cybersecurity. It's your job to think about cybersecurity for them and help enable them and train them to understand it, to help them so that they don't make those mistakes, right? I, I think in a lot of cases at previous positions where I worked at, where we've had, like in other companies where we've had failures You know, I always took it upon myself as I took that upon myself as my failure in cybersecurity. You know, that person should not have fell for this. What can I do better? What can our department do better to make sure that doesn't happen in the future? Because we always get in our little foxhole in IT, right? Especially in cyber, we think everybody else should know this because we know it's important. But that's just not the case, right? We've got to help our business partners get there.
0: Very much a leader perspective on that issue. Kind of switching gears, I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the courses that you develop I believe it's the Cyber Master's program at Hallmark University.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Hallmark University came to me Dr. Paul Cooper, who's the Dean of IT and Cybersecurity there. I had met him while finishing my doctorate at University of Phoenix, and he became the Dean of IT, the School of IT and Cyber at Hallmark. And we had talked about coming over and trying to bring in that industry perspective, right, into their actual cybersecurity program. And that's what I was able to do, right, take an actual working knowledge of day-to-day cybersecurity that we have in a large financial institution and bring it into the program. And, and many other instructors that have been brought on there and the ones that work there currently are fantastic about this. It's a very small organization, right? It's enabled us to work together to create these programs. So a couple of the ones I created are for the cyber risk or cyber forensics. I also did the, the cybersecurity capstone for the master's program. And I also worked in the bachelor's program uh, along with other instructors trying to create new curriculum uh, mostly around cybersecurity risk, identity and access management, security testing around PCI DSS and some of those other areas. And it's just fantastic to work in a smaller university with, with a group of students. And I think a lot of people go look at the big schools, they look at, you know, the, the state universities and stuff, and, and, and they think that that's the only path to getting a really good educational experience. And I can tell you that a lot of times the smaller universities, especially like Hallmark, have a very focused curriculum with a, with a really good teacher to student ratio in cases that makes, I, I think we just do a fantastic job and I enjoy working with them to to make them better and to make our students better cybersecurity leaders in the future.
0: Absolutely. So you have a really diverse uh, perspective, you know, currently working for a large institution supporting the master's program at a smaller university. And then I'd love to touch on your active duty and how being an IT and cyber officer prepared you for the work that you do today.
1: Yeah. And and it was one of those cases of just right time, right place, right? I've always been interested in IT way, way back. And this is before the age of dinosaurs for most people, right? Is that I learned batch file programming on an Apple IIe, right? That was one of my original days, right? And we all talk about the trash 80s and stuff. And I actually lived through that at episodes. I've always enjoyed IT, right? I've enjoyed computers. I've always, you know, I, I think I have that mentality with them. When it came possible, when I came back from Afghanistan, I went to the captain's course after I came in, they did a little bit backwards, right? I had a wonderful opportunity. The Army did of of moving officers out into this career area called FA53, Functional Area 53, which was basically you would become the CIO CSO of a brigade combat team. Again, I went to the course at Fort Benning. A typical Army, right? It's crawl, walk, run. <laughs> uh, uh, there is no master's level courses that you learn your CCNA. You know, you learn your MCSE. You do quite a few other things. And then I was lucky enough to get out with the First Cavalry Division at Fort Hood with the Second Brigade Blackjack and deploy twice with them to Iraq. That t- Kind of foundational understanding of it has served me well throughout the years right having a good basic understanding of networking and microsoft services and linux i will say that everyone who served in the military has major advantages over anyone who hasn't served in the military right off the bat right and 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 many of those will serve you well if you're able to communicate them to you know future business leaders who may hire you
0: absolutely but being a you know former recruiter Prior to joining clearance jobs, obviously one of the biggest issues with, or obstacles that, you know, folks transitioning out have trouble with is just translating those skills to a recruiter who might not have any sort of background in functional area or the MOS that you know you were working in. So it's important to be able to advocate for yourself and truly speak to what your skill set is.
1: And I think, you know, and this is a great thing. I have always recommended, even my current students and other people that I know is to work with a recruiter, right? I think working with a recruiter helps you working with a job site such as this where there's people there that can actually guide you or help you mm-hmm. to transition that experience, right? So for example, the word do 'em or or a netcom or or things like that should never be on a civilian resume, right? Because people, it's not that they don't care, it's just that they literally don't understand that, right? And, And as more more large job organizations move to these kind of automated systems, where they go do keyword analysis and stuff like that, those words won't show up in that keyword analysis, right? So it's really important to listen to a resume writer, a recruiter, and and to look at other examples on the internet when you go out there and do it, because your skill set matters, right? Your skill set is important. It's just how you transfer that over to a civilian position, right? And and, and you need to help them, right? Because not everybody, as as we all know, right, the military is becoming a smaller and smaller population of the United States by percentage. And it's important for you to get those points
0: across. Absolutely. So how was your transition and obtaining your first civilian employment after active duty?
1: I think it, well, it was a shock. I think like most of us who's, who, you know, joined the, the military right after high school, right? You know, I, I think it was funny. I was filling out my first job application and they asked and they didn't say, Name your last jobs over the past five years. They said name your last three positions, and I'm like, well, there was the army, and then there was Hardee's in Bloomington, Illinois. Right? (laughs) It's like there's a twenty-some year span there across that, right? So it was one of those like education cells, like I'm just going to count several military positions, right? Not the actual military itself. It was a shock, right? I think a lot of people also, you know, you got to get used to one thing, and that's it that you'll probably never have the same level of responsibility that you had in the military in the civilian world. Many people who are, you know, senior officers or senior NCOs, right? They're, they're leading soldiers every day. They have a, they have a responsibility that's honestly unknown In a civilian sector, right, there's people whose lives depend on you. There's people who you see from the first thing in the morning to the last thing at night. And that's just not the way the civilian world is, right? So you're going to have to understand that, you know, if you're a battalion commander, right, or something, you're not going to be in that equivalent position in the civilian world because those really don't exist. Right. The, the only really truly comparable positions to those are going to be CEOs and CFOs and very large, high-level executive positions that, that you're not going to be hired into right away, most likely, unless you're a, a very senior military officer, right, where they're just looking for a general or an admiral or some of those cases.
0: Culture shock in general, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that that is one of the biggest shocks is the civilian sector doesn't equate to all of the responsibilities and probably the outputs that you experience in active duty.
1: Well, And that's a good thing, too. You know, that's an opportunity. I look at that as an opportunity. You know, I don't have to go bail anyone out of jail. Like, that's never came up, you know what I mean, (laughs) in the past nine years. Or other things, of course, you know, I'm just being facetious on that one, right, of course. But it's an opportunity that you have to work within the confines. I think people need to look at it as the next challenge, right? And the next challenge is this new job is different from your old job. One of the other things, too, is that they're not going to work till midnight because they need to accomplish something that's not how the civilian world works, right? They usually program projects out much longer to make up for that 40 hour work week or that 50 hour work week depends. Right. I think that was another really hard thing for me was to come out of the military where mission mattered, mission accomplishment was number one and it had to be done soon and quick and on time and accurate and to work, and to work in this progress, you know, to, you know, and, and I used to make this joke, right. You know, Hey, you know, it's five o'clock. Where are you all going? You know, <laughs> and that's just, that's just not how the civilian world works. But there's also a lot of rewarding experiences in the civilian world, right? They're eager to hear about your experience, right? They, they, they do really respect what you've done, especially here in San Antonio. San Antonio, of course, Military City USA, mm-hmm. a huge amount of military retirees in this city, very, very military friendly in almost everything they do, very appreciative of it, right? But it's, it's you having to make that step. Uh, that transition to be able to explain that to them, what value you bring, aside from just that strict understanding that they expect you to be loyal, they expect you to be dedicated, but you have to give them more than that. You have to show them what else you can do to make them successful as well. Mm
0: -hmm. So San Antonio was, when I was recruiting, I, I focused on intelligence and science and technologies and more of the technical work at a few companies I've supported or contractors I've supported. And San Antonio was one of those locations I constantly tried to pull candidates from there to relocate to other locations, and not once was I able to do it. <laughs> I'm sure it's a yeah. military friendly and you know a great place to be. You know, once you do get out,
1: it's because I think you know at one point we had five major military bases here, right? I mm-hmm. think we are down to three or four. I'm not sure what it is, but Joint Base San Antonio, right? Of course, with our enormous military medical system. My healthcare system is here, right? All military members in the healthcare fields are trained in San Antonio. So, San Antonio Military Medical Center is one of the largest in the world. But other than that, the climate, I teach some of my sisters who live in Montana, you know, or in Northern Illinois still, you know, hey, it was 80 on Christmas here, you know, although I just don't tell them it's 110 in July, but <laughs> try, right. to, try to leave that one out of the equation. But uh, it's very temperate. It's a very good place to be. The Texas schools are really well, the roads are very good. And of course, there's just zero taxes. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a, you know, especially if you're a disabled veteran, I will tell you if you're a disabled veteran in Texas, uh, if you're 100% disabled, you pay no homeowner's taxes in the state of Texas. Many, many advantages to living in Texas, but I do miss you know my home state occasionally and stuff, and I go back to visit, but I kind of realize why I left it, and then come right back to San Antonio happier.
0: Uh, are there any other best practices or tips that you could offer the Clearance Jobs audience uh, just when it comes to information security, insider threats, other cyber issues, not only during the pandemic, but even for the future beyond?
1: I think communication is key, right? I think communication and training don't should not stop as this crisis goes. Another thing, too, is that your people are working from home. They're worried about their jobs, right? You know, they're worried about what's the future going to be like. You know, I think a lot of people when they think about working from home, they get the opinion that they're just going to be outsourced because if they're working from home, why can't they have someone else work from home? And I think it's important to try to lower the anxiety as much as possible that those things aren't going to happen, right? You know, as far as you know, right? I think when it comes to cybersecurity and information security, you know, there are best practices that everyone should follow, and especially in cybersecurity person, you need to have what I call good cyber hygiene. Cyber security hygiene is a matter of, I use a password vault such as LastPass or something like that. I rotate my passwords. I I don't, you know, pick the thumb drives up the street. You know, I, I don't just take every email that comes in my folder. You know, I'm, 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 I'm actually testing it for phishing and, and, and these kind of things, right? And then once you develop that good cyber hygiene, you know, you can start to evangelize that out with the rest of your members, right? So Microsoft, uh, you know, decades ago started the whole evangelistic idea where people not only started telling about what they did, but they actually went out and tried to get other people to adopt good practices, whether they bought their software or not, right? And that's really what you do. You're not just this person who works in your job and ignores everything everybody else. You have to be out there in meetings, talking to people, evangelizing cybersecurity, right? telling them why it's going to make their job better. I think in the military, we always talk about battlefield enablers, such as you know artillery support or something like that, and, and why they're important to you. Well, that's why cyber is important to a business, right? I mean, it's it's keeping you off the homepage of foxnews.com or CNN about your company having a breach, right? And it's one of those costs that a lot of people will look at as, well, maybe we can eliminate this cost, right? It's, it's very nebulous what cybersecurity does. And it's really your opportunity to get out there, especially right now and show them why cybersecurity hygiene and why cybersecurity is important. Board.
0: Well said. So, last question for you. What was your favorite place that you were stationed at and why?
1: I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it was probably Panama.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: because just the temperate climate and stuff like that. But I think. I I think there's a mindset when you get into that, right? Where you think about, oh, the worst place I was, the best place I was, even the worst place I think I was ever assigned, you know, downtown Baghdad. The people that were there, it was a fantastic experience with the people that were there, right? I think Fort Hood may have been one of the most challenging places I ever worked, but then again, my kids were there, right? You know what I mean? Uh, um, I think you can take any base in the world and turn it into an opportunity with your family if you have the right mentality for it, right? Everybody looks at a job as, ah, it's the worst place to be. But I think the best thing to say is, that no, they were all good places to work because I survived, right? I went through this process. I became a better person. I got promoted. I I did the best I could. I moved on to another assignment that carried me throughout. And and I I would say, if you're going to ask me what the absolute best assignment was, it's here in San Antonio being a retiree, you know, (laughs) working with people like you and helping other veterans, right? Through the process of getting out and moving on.
0: Well said, very positive. Keep that positive mindset going. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cleared Cast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.